Welcome to another exciting episode of Patanjali Yoga Sutra Commentaries by respected Dr. Chinmay Pandya. Each episode delves deep into a selected set of sutras, so be sure to follow along and remember to revisit any episode you may have missed. We hope you enjoy and do stay connected with DSVV by following our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages using the handle at DSVVOfficial. Good morning and my respectful pranams from Shantikunja, Haridwar Dev Sanskriti Vishwavidyale, India. We are located right in the vicinity of the Himalayas, so very good morning to all of you. And the subtle presence of Puju Gurudev and Paramandaniya Mataji, today's discussion that we are hosting and holding on Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. Before we endeavor deep into it, let us start with the recitation of the Gayatri Mantra. And with the feeling that the subtle presence of Gurudev and Mataji and the blessings of Magayatri would allow us to walk on the path that is the path of the righteousness. So those of you who could chant the Gayatri Mantra, join us in reciting it together. Om Bhur Bhuva Swaha Savetorvarenyam Bhargo Devasya Dhemahe Dheyo Yonaha Prachodaya Pranams to everyone. We have been discussing the Yoga Sutras of the Patanjali, Maharshi Patanjali, which have been the foundation of the Yoga Darshan, Yoga philosophy, or the entire foundation on which the scriptural understanding of the Yogas were created. And Patanjali is a very special person. If we have to compare Patanjali with someone, we can compare him with uh, someone on the grounds of like Einstein. He is like a scientist of the internal world. Those of you who are familiar with the work of Einstein, you know that why he is considered so respected and so revered in the scientific fraternity. He is considered so special because the first five papers that he wrote and they were published in the Annals of Physics, in 1905, almost 126 years ago, or 116 years ago rather, three of them, the first three of them were so special that this person, Einstein, was working as the treasurer in the patent office. He was working as a clerk there. No access to laboratory. He had no access to library. He had no formal education of the physics. Still, he wrote three papers the first of which got him the Nobel Prize, second of which created the fundamental understanding of the quantum world, atoms. It created basically the proof that atoms exist. And third, created the special or the theory of relativity that people still talk about E is equal to mc square and all those equations. They were supported later on by him as the addendum. And Patanjali is similar. The words that he used, chitta, vritte, nirodh, 
Most of them were those words that were never used before him. So that's why to understand, we need to, to understand Patanjali, we need to understand the entire concept, entire phenomena and without understanding that it becomes very difficult to understand if we are only going with the translations. So if we recap the journey that we have done together of the Yoga Sutra, it started with the Samadhipad's first verse, Atha Yoga Anusashanam, that let us talk about the yoga as a discipline. And what is yoga? Yoga is Chittavritti's Nirodha. He is saying that the calming and the controlling and the restraint of the vrittis of the Chitta leads to the yoga. If we are able to accomplish that, if we are able to reach to that final podium or final destination of the human adventure, then we are able to be the drishta and then we are seated in our true consciousness. Tada drishtuhu swarupe avasthanam. Then we are seated in our true self, then we are seated in our true consciousness. If not, vritti sarupyam itaratra then we continue to behave or our identity becomes the identity of the vritti or vrittis are our identity. So then comes the natural question that what are vrittis? So he goes on further to explain vrittya panchatya klishtya klishtya that vrittis are five types and they could be good or bad, they could be helpful or harmful. What are those vrittis? Then praman viparraya vikalpa nidraya and then he goes further to classify the pramana, pratyakshanu, mana, gamanani, pramanani. There are three types. Then he gives the definition of viparyay, then vikalpa, then nidra, and then smriti. We left it uh, when we were talking the last time on the point that these, these vrittis are only described by the Patanjali so that we can understand that we are not those vrittis. We make the mistake of identifying ourselves with the vrittis. We think that we are vrittis. We think that whatever the mind is telling us, that is the only identity that we have and that is not the case in case of the spiritual journey, in case of the journey of the yoga. So, to understand what we are going to talk about today, we need to remember the definition that Patanjali gave and he says, yogasya chitta vritti nirodha. That is the first chapter, second verse. And then he talked about the Chittavrittis in last 5 to 11th verse of this chapter. So now comes the question, Nirodh, how would you control them? That is the natural question. And he answers that in the next 5 verses. He says, 12th verse, first chapter, Abhyas Vairagyabhyam Tan Nirodha. We go the you know, we dissect them one by one. He says, Abhyas, Abhyas is practice or probably much more deeper meaning than the practice itself. But let us take for an example for now, Abhyas is the practice. Vairag, many people translate that as dispassion, detachment. Uh, I would say no craving. Vairag is something when you are not craving for anything. Tan Nirodha. Tan Nirodha means that these two are controlling those vrittis they were talked about earlier. Tan Nirodha means control of them. Them means the ones that were described just in the before verses. So what Patanjali is saying, if we put everything together, he is saying that Abhyas and Vairagya. 
practice and not craving for the sensory pleasures, these two together are able to control the vrittis. That is what he is saying and it is one of the most special verses, so special that even in the Gita itself uh, when Krishna was asked by Arjun and Arjun says that chanchalam himana Krishna, that mind is very uh, fragile, it is very frickly, it is always like you know going to different point, it is easy to distract the mind, how can I control it? And uh, Lord Krishna says abhyasentu konteya vairagyanache grihate, he says two things are there, abhyas and vairagya, same things that Patanjali is talking about, that to control this unstable, fragile, Frickly, easily distractible mind which is going everywhere, it does not want to remain focused on one point of concentration, it just wants to go everywhere, it wants to remember everything, it wants to worry about everything, it wants to be happy about everything, it wants to be confused about everything, it has got all kinds of emotions taking place at the same time in the same place in the same person. To control it, Patanjali is saying two things are needed, abhyas, vairagya, abhyam, tannirodha. To understand why we need these two, we need to understand the way human consciousness works. We have got a conscious part of us and we also have got an unconscious part of us and we also have got a subconscious part of us. Our habits and our secondary nature is coming from unconscious. So, we can easily understand things, you know people are uh, being told about good things to do good deeds and everything, even we are talking about good things and everything and it is heard by the ear, mind is processing it and it seems logical, it seems right, yeah. why should anyone live a wrong life, why should we still be bonded to the attachment, why can't we think about liberation, seems absolutely logical, but moment the sensory pleasures are there, all these theories are gone. All this what we heard about Patanjali and whatever we heard about Yoga Sutra are gone and immediately our the unconscious takes the precedent and it, it controls our personality because it has not become the part of our inner nature. For it to become a part of inner nature then only the practice becomes permanent. That is why you when you are learning to drive you need to drive many times before it becomes your second nature. You need to learn many times before the by uh, you know you are driving the any kind of uh, vehicle it becomes your second nature. Even the kid when he is learning to walk or she is learning to walk, he or she has to fall many times before the walking becomes the second nature. Until unless it becomes our second nature, it is so deeply rooted in our personality that we do not have to think about it, then only the practice becomes permanent. And the reason that is important is because teachings and philosophies, they are important. But then, if unconscious has not accepted it, only conscious is hearing it, then it would never be deeply rooted in our personality. Everyone knows like you know the people who have got diabetes, they are aware that if they take a sweet food, then it would raise their plasma glucose. Ears are hearing it mind is processing it, consciously it is there, but moment somebody offers the sweet, unconscious takes the control, we are easy to take it because it has not gone deep down there. That is why people then 
keep committing the same mistake because they are taking the sankalpa from the conscious but they are behaving from the unconscious and that creates a very unique situation in every person because in every person we have taken a sankalpa and sankalpa came, the determination, the pledge came, oath came from outside. Behavior and the habit came from inside. So now we have created a conflict within ourselves. We said, okay, we would never say something that is not hurtful to anyone. Three hours later, we became very angry and we said something very bad. Now there is a conflict inside us. We feel guilty. We start to loathe ourselves. We start to doubt ourselves because the part of our personality that had taken the oath and pledge that was conscious and part of our personality that defied that oath and did not want to believe into it was our unconscious. So what Patanjali is saying is very scientific. He is saying that both are needed. Only having and not craving for it would not give you the permanency of the effect unless it is deeply rooted in your personality. And our duty is to make it deeply rooted in our personality. That's why both together are needed. Not one, but both of them together. Abhyas and Vairagya. Then he goes in the 13th verse to explain that what is Abhyas. Tatra sthito yatno bhyasa. Tatra means of these. Of these means these two. Abhyas and Vairagya. Sthito means stability. Yatno means, yatna means effort, abhyas means abhyas practice. So, of these, among these two, abhyas and vairag, the one that makes the practice stable or the one that makes like you know, our effort, the effort done to uh, stabilize ourselves or to make our practice, that is the practice. For out of these two, the effort that we do to bring this stability is the practice. That would be the better way to explain it. Is that out of these two, abhyas and vairag, that effort that makes our personality stable or that brings this stability, that brings the sthito, that is abhyas. So, what Patanjali is trying to say that abhyas is actually returning back to our center. And we have returned back to our center unconscious so strongly that outer recurrence of the events cannot steal away our inner calmness. We have got absolute control now that nothing can take it away because we are able to divide like you know the outer from or able to differentiate or able to create a division between outer appearance or outer personality and the inner being, then only the abhyas becomes permanent. There is a beautiful story of uh, a very famous saint from India called Swami Ramatirth. And when he went to US at the very young age and he, he was a uh, famous sannyasi uh, soon after Swami Vivekananda event. And when he went there, then the president of US, uh, who became president later on, but that time he was a senator, Roosevelt, he came to see him. And Roosevelt said that, uh, Roosevelt asked Swami Ramtith who he is. And Swami Ramtith said, I am Emperor Ramtith. He was confused, he thought, how can he be an emperor? 
he is just a sannyasi, he is not even wearing the clothes. The kings that he had seen before, they had like you know very extravagant clothes, uh, gold kind of like you know attire and everything very uh, expensive that they used to wear. And this guy was standing in front of him naked and saying that I am Emperor Ramtir. He said, where is your kingdom if you are an emperor? He said, right here. I am, he said, I am the king of myself. Roosevelt did not understand that. He said, what do you mean? He said, it means that nothing can happen in my personality without my command. I have got complete control command over myself. Not even a single thought can come that I don't want to come. And then he asked Roosevelt, he said, you are like senator, you would be the president of US. Can you control your mind? He said, no, mind I cannot control. I can control the policies, I can make the rules, but I cannot control the mind. Ramtin said, but I can control the mind. And he said that the one who can control his own personality, his own unconscious, who has got absolute control and stability, on his personality, he is the true king. So what Patanjali is saying that for you to be the king of your personality, for you to be in a position where you are in absolute, complete, unquestionable control over your personality, you need to be in regular practice. So Patanjali is answering to the question that he started by himself in the second chapter. He said, Yoga Chittavratti Nirodha. Yoga is the Nirodha, control of Chittavrattis. Like I said in the first lecture that there is no better person than Patanjali to create a syllabus. If you are studying in a university, you need a lesson plan. You need a curriculum that how a particular subject is explained and, and like you know detailed later on. So you talk about okay what is psychology and then you go further on like uh, my field is medicine. So you study anatomy, physiology, biochemistry. Once you are able to understand anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, then you go deeper, you study pathology, microbiology, biochemistry. Once you are able to put normal and abnormal together, then you start to study medicine, surgery, ophthalmology, ENT and all that that you understand only by understanding the anatomy and physiology together. So you need to put one or two together to understand what comes after that, uh, otherwise it becomes impossible. And Patanjali has done exactly that. It is the beautiful kind of syllabus where he is explaining one by one and nothing would come in his uh, scripture in, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra which came completely by mistake or by default or it came randomly, it has no significance. Every single word that is there, unsubstitutable, you can't replace it, it is irreplaceable word. So Patanjali talked about Chittavritti Nirodh in the second chapter, then he talked about Chittavrittis, that if you are able to accomplish Chittavritti, what would happen? Unable to do it, what would happen? Unable to do it, you need to understand Chittavritti. If you are able to understand Chittavritti, then you need to understand how to control it. And he is saying to control it, you need Abhyas and Vairagya. And Abhyas and Vairagya, out of these two, he says the one that brings the stability is the practice. And the stability comes only if we do it again and again, again and again, without a failure, non-stop. If we do it non-stop, uninterruptedly, then we are able to have a complete practice. 
So, he comes to the definition. He says, need to understand what is the definition of Abhyas. So, he says, Satu Dirgha Kala, Nirantara, Satkara, Sevitaha, Tridabhumeh. He says, Abhyas, Sa means it, Tu means either but or and, whichever way you want to take it. Dirgha Kala means long period of time. There is no, there is no expiry on it. It is just, there is only the start date, but no end date to it. Dirgha Kala, prolonged period of time. Nirantara means without any interruption, non-stop, relentless, you do it constantly. Satkara means, satkar means with same respect and, and devotion. Asevitaha means uh, like you know the practice. Dridhbhumi. Dridhbhumi means, drid means uh, firm and bhumi means ground. So, what he is trying to say, if we put everything together, he is saying the practice becomes deeply rooted or firmly grounded if it is done prolong, for prolonged period of time, non-stop, constantly with respect and devotion like you had on the day one, non-stop. If you are cultivating it uninterruptedly, then you are able to ground it firmly. Otherwise, people start and they say, okay, from Monday I will not do this and Tuesday I will and by afternoon it is gone. Our sankalp and our determination is gone because we have not done it for prolonged period of time. Even if you go to a simple thing, even if you are going to the gym to uh, improve your muscular stability, you need to go there regularly. Even if you are going to run a marathon, you need to train yourself regularly. Even if you are playing a simple sport, you need to do it regularly. Everyone, whichever field they are in, skill, abilities, knowledge, whatever you have, you need to do the practice regularly. Even a medical doctor, if he uh, becomes completely de-skilled, if he is not practicing, he would lose his knowledge, he would lose his way to treat, he would lose his way of communication, he would lose his understanding of diagnosis and treatment. You need to do it regularly. Five things are important to understand it. First. To make something firmly established, what does it mean firmly established? It means that if you have got a small plant, then that plant has got such a weak stem that even a goat can graze it. But once it becomes strong, the stem is strong, like you know the roots have gone deeper, then even an elephant cannot take it down. It has become such uh, firmly rooted in the deep grounds that the roots cannot be shaken and our personality needs to be like that. Our personality needs to be so strong with the practice that the storms of the outside world should not be able to shake it. Those who have not been practicing, they are easily taken away by the storms of the world because their stem was not strong. The stem of the personality was not strong to wither it, to actually take it. So, what Patanjali is saying that firmly established means that nothing from outside then would be able to shake it. Whether there is a change of the place, change of the position, outside changes, inside changes, practice remains the same. And it depends upon five things. One, dirghakal, that there is no end in sight. And it is very important. Many people do it and the first thing they ask the question, how long I am supposed to do it? You do not know. You are not supposed to ask the question that how long you are supposed to do it. 
you are supposed to ask the question that how I am going to do it, that's it, nothing else. You need no other information apart from this. There is a very beautiful story written by Gurudev in a book called Pragya Purana, a story of two sadhaks, two people who were uh, practicing to accomplish the moksha, nirvana, liberation. And they both were sitting for meditation or doing their regular spiritual practice under a tree. One became reasonably old, he was uh, 75 years old, another was reasonably young, 25 years old, both were under the same tree. One day a sage was going from there, the name of the sage was Narad. So both bowed to him and they asked, where are you going? So Narad, the Rishi said, sage Narad said that I am going to meet Lord Vishnu. Anything I can do for you, he said. So these both people said that we have got a question that how long it would take for us to achieve liberation. Sage Narad said that, okay, I will ask this question to Lord Vishnu. So he went there. And when he returned, he first addressed the old man and he said that Lord Vishnu answered your question and he said it would take you three more lifetimes. Three more lifetimes and then you will get the liberation. Old person became very angry. He said, I have given 60 years of my life and now four, three more lifetimes. So he just actually threw away his uh, uh, everything that he was carrying, his mala and everything. He said, I am not going to do it anymore. And he was very angry, upset. At three more lifetimes and he went. Then he went to, uh, Sage Narad went to the young man, 25 year old man. And he said that, oh, I've got a bad news for you. He said, what's the bad news? said the news is that when all the leaves of this tree are fallen, then you would achieve the enlightenment. He said, oh, that's such a beautiful news. He said, it means that there is a guarantee that I will get the liberation. I'm so happy, blessed by the Lord. And his happiness was so much, he started to dance that I have got a very good news. While it seemed like a very bad news that he had to wait for millions of lifetimes. And he became so happy that, oh, I... I got the news from the Lord that I would get the enlightenment. And moment he became so happy, there came a storm and all the leaves of that tree were gone. Got the enlightenment right there, right there in that particular moment. So what the story is saying, that enlightenment, illumination, liberation, samadhi, whatever the final frontier of this yogic or spiritual journey is, it cannot come from our preference. It cannot come because we are asking about it. We have to surrender for it. And we have to take away the questions like we are asking how long it's going to take. It's not a treatment schedule of a illness that we would know that we are supposed to take it for seven days. It's also not the curriculum of the school that we are supposed to know that if you study for 400 hours then you will get it. It's also not a certification of the yoga teacher training program that if you do for 200 hours then you get like you know this level. There is no level, there are no hours and there is no expiry. We are supposed to do it as long as it is necessary as long as it would take. If you have got that much of commitment, you will get it. So he says, 
सत्व दीर्घकाल दीर्घकाल प्रोलॉन्ग पीरियड ऑफ टाइम निरंतर नॉन स्टॉप विदाउट एवर थिंकिंग वन इज अबाउट द ड्यूरेशन दीर्घकाल सेकेंड इज अबाउट द फ्रीक्वेंसी निरंतर नॉन स्टॉप इट्स नॉट लाइक दैट यू डू मंडे एंड टेक ए ब्रेक ऑन ट्यूजडे एंड दे से वट हैपन टू माई इनलाइटनमेंट ऑन वेडनेसडे गिव मी गिव मी द इनलाइटनमेंट यू इट्स नॉट लाइक दैट इट्स नॉट ए डील दैट यू गेट इन द सुपर मार्केट्स एंड इन द मॉल्स दैट यू के फाइन आई गॉट फाइव हंड्रेड लॉयल्टी पॉइंट्स ना आई शुड कलेक्ट लाइक यू नो माई बैग बैग यू कैन गेट इट यू जस्ट हैव टू बी पेशेंट वेट फॉर इट एंड देन ही सेज विद द सेम लव डेडिकेशन डेस्परेशन दैट वी हैड ऑन द डे वन देर कम्स ए वेरी ब्यूटिफुल स्टोरी वर्थ रिमेंबरिंग इट्स अ स्टोरी ऑफ ए गाय कॉल दिमित्री एंड ही वॉज वन ऑफ द डिसाइपल्स ऑफ गुरजीएफ गुरजीएफ वॉज ए फेमस फिलोसफर ऑफ द रशिया एंड देर इज अ ब्यूटिफुल बुक रिटर्न फॉर हिम कॉल इन द सर्च ऑफ मेरेकुलस माइंड बाई ऑस्पेंसकी and there is a story of a man like you know who because uh, gurjev had a peculiar habit he never used to make uh, a disciple just like that he would make them wait for many many days many many years and one day when he felt that they are ready then he would used to uh, initiate them so one person called dimitri was waiting at his door step for 12 months one year completely everyone said that oh, at least talk to him so gurjev called him and gurjev said to him that what do you want and he said that i want uh, to reach to the divine i want to see god he said fine and wha- what can i do for you he said you are my guru you can be my guru and you can guide me he said okay, i will do it you want to see god he said yeah so come tomorrow morning 5 o'clock 5 o'clock he called him next day 5 o'clock when he came he took him to the a forest in the forest there was a irrigation canal and this irrigation canal every morning they used to leave the water 6 o'clock in the morning so there he asked him to stand in the middle he said what i am supposed to do dimitri asked gurjev he said nothing just wait there water was released and when water came it hit his uh, ankle first so he looked at gurjev he said what i am supposed to do he said nothing wait there water came up to the knee and then he looked at gurjev gurjev said wait there came up to the waist then he looked at gurjev gurjev said uh, you looked anxious you look anxious he said that uh, why did you come to me he said i wanted to see god he said then you are waiting at the right place god is coming water came up to here then he started to feel slightly more anxious i looked at gurjev and gurjev was meditating water came up to the nose this time he saw nowhere and he started to swim when he was swimming back gurjev jumped jumped on his back and he started to drown him and he threw away gurjev and he ran to the shore and then he started to shout on gurjev he said what you were doing you were drowning me gurjev said don't worry about that tell me when you were drowning what were you remembering what were you craving for he said i was craving for air what else i can crave for He said, "With the desperation that you were craving for air, if you have the same desperation for enlightenment, you would not need a guru. You will get right here. That kind of desperation is needed to make it firmly grounded." So, what Patanjali is saying that if one needs practice, 
then it needs to be prolonged period of time with no interruptions in between with same love affection desperation devotion that we had on day one then only it becomes people start to do it they are still repeating their routines they are still doing their yoga sadhana they are still doing their yoga practice but their love is gone they are just doing it because it became a habit they are just actually carrying it like a burden that i am supposed to do it for 25 minutes in the morning or 1 hour in the morning no you should be ready in the morning with the same love and affection that you had day one then it becomes the practice so what patanjali has said he said two things are needed for chitta vritti nirodha abhyas vairagya abhyam tan nirodha first chapter 12th verse two things are needed abhyas and vairagya out of these tatra sthito yatno bhyasa verse number 13 that out of these the one that brings the stability that effort is called as the practice then he defines the practice even further he says satudirghakala nirantara satkara sevita dridhume that abhyas is that one which if done for prolonged period of time with no interruption inside with same love devotion affection reverence respect whatever you want to call it then it becomes deeply rooted in our personality then it becomes firmly established and that means that means that nothing can shake it you cannot disturb it you cannot change it it is just it has become such a grown up tree that even elephant would struggle to actually shake it otherwise even a small animal can eat it in one second so just think whether your determination your practice is the small plant that a goat or a sheep can graze or your practice is like the big sequoia tree or the tree of banyan or tree of people where even elephant would struggle to shake it it's time for that reflection abhyas then he says vairagya and vairagya patanjali defines in the verse number 14 and 15 i i may be wrong just keep checking in your uh, books also because i'm just saying them from my own memory and 14th and 12 13 14 15 so he says in the uh, 15th and 16th verse he defines vairagya vairagya he defines them in two categories first he calls the vashikara sangya or aparvairagya and then he talks about the parvairagya i will come to that so first he defines the vairagya and he says drishtanushravika vishaye vitrishnasya vashikara sangya vairagyam drisht means one that could be seen shravik means one that could be heard vishaya vishaya means objects of sensual satisfaction it's a beautiful word in sanskrit because the word comes from vish vish means poison if you drink poison you will die immediately but vishaya are those which are like poison which are making us dead every time but still we keep attracted to them we are constantly attracted every day we die of thinking about them even if we had them then we die out of desire to have more and it continues this continues so vishaya comes from visha drishtanushravika vishaya vitrishnasya vitrishna means no internal craving i am not talking about external craving i am talking about internal craving because many people make this mistake they think that if i prick my eyes that means that 
I can control, I cannot see anything bad now. So, I have controlled my uh, visual uh, control over the sensory pleasures, but you are still thinking about them. So, unless it is not actually coming here, with Trishna means nothing is coming. We will come to that because Trishna is a very beautiful word. Vashikara Sangya is a word that is used for upper vairagya. It is a special word for upper vairagya, uh, vairagyam. So, Patanjali is saying that upper vairagya or Vashikara Sangya vairagya is the one that happens when there is no craving taking place inside us for those kind of sensory pleasures which were either seen by us or heard by us. Such a beautiful way to describe it. Many people are attracted to the things to have them that they have seen. But we have got so many cravings in our life that we have not seen. We want to go on holiday in a particular place. We want to have a particular car just because we heard about it. We want to have a particular kind of food. We want to meet particular person because we have got craving for them. Not necessarily that we have seen them, but that kind of craving could still be there. And he says that with Trishnasya. Trishna, there are, in Sanskrit this is the beauty. Sanskrit, every word has got a beautiful purpose. Many words, they seem similar, but they are describing something very beautiful. First, try to understand the why do we even have a, like, you know, desire or why do we even have a craving for something? Because in our mind or in our unconscious, there is a memory somewhere that this kind of experience gave us pleasure last time. Could have been last life or life before. But because this kind of encounter where we had this kind of food or where we had interaction with someone, where we talked about something or where we thought about something, it gave us pleasure. And that kind of experience, that kind of memory makes us crave about something else. And even if we had some kind of craving, we want even more because one kind of satisfaction is not enough. We want that experience to be repeated. Now in Sanskrit, the craving that we have is called kamana, desire, from where the word kama comes. That kamana could be of two types. It could be trishna. Trishna is having the craving about something that we do not have. That is why he is using the word with trishnasya. We do not have it at the moment, but we are craving for it. And these things could be either seen by us or heard by us. Trishna. And second is asakti. Asakti happens about the things that we have, but we never want them to go. Then comes the attachment. If I am craving about something that I don't have, I want to reach to a particular position, I want to have this thing, that's something that I don't have, then it is Trishna. And if I have it and I don't want it to go away from my hand, then it is asakti. I don't want to lose possession of it, then it becomes attachment, then it is asakti. So, he says that Vashikara Sangya Vairagya, which is also called as the upper Vairagya, is that kind of Vairagya, is that kind of detachment or dispassion, which happens if there is no craving taking place from within for the objects of sexual or sensual dis, uh, satisfaction that were either seen by us or heard by us. There comes a Interesting story in the life of Lord Buddha, when Lord Buddha was leaving and he was renunciating everything, then his Sarathi, his driver, 
he said to the Lord Buddha, he said, Lord, I am a very small person. I don't know much. But what you are doing seems silly to me. I think you should see a doctor. Why you are leaving? You have got everything. The Lord Buddha laughed. He said, the objects of sensual satisfaction that you think that one should have, he said, I slept with them. He said, the treasures that you think are worth for any one person to have, I had keys of them. But what I have learned, he said to his driver, he said, what I have learned that all this that comes, it goes. And I am going in search for that, that never goes. You can never be certain, you can never be uh, devoid of it. It can never leave you. So I am going for that knowledge, wisdom that is inside you, that can never be stolen away from you. In Sanskrit, there comes a very beautiful uh, verse. It says, Na chora haryam, na raja haryam, na bhatra bhajyam, na cha bharakari. He said, Na chor haryam. Chor means thief. That thief cannot steal it. Na raja haryam. Raja means king. King or administration or government can never claim it. Na bhatra bhajyam. The bhatra means brother. Two brothers cannot fight for it. And you cannot carry it on your shoulder. You cannot take it like a luggage. That more you spend, more you get. The knowledge that you get inside is the biggest wealth of all. So, Buddha went in search of that. Because there was no Krishna coming from inside. The kind of satisfaction that you reach when you know that nothing could be stolen away from me because all I have is all I need. That's it. I need nothing more and you become absolutely contented. And in that moment, he says, Vashikara Sangya Vairagya takes place. He goes further. He said, that's not the end of all kinds of Vairagya. He says, Tat Param Purushakhyate Gunvaitrishnam. Tat param, then tat means that. Param means even higher. Purushakhyate, that realization, like the true realization of the consciousness. Gunair Vaitrishnam, guna are the gunas of prakriti. You may have heard Satrajantam, and those guna, even if he has got no craving for those gunas, even if he is not attracted to any kind of mystical powers, controlling the world, even the things that we never heard or, or seen, but even those kind of vibhutis that he would talk about in the third chapter, even if there is no craving taking place for them, which are coming out of the gunas of the prakriti, then that is the true vairagya, that is paravairagya. So, Patanjali says, chitta nirodha is done by two things, abhyas and vairagya. Abhyas is the one that helps one to become much more stable. And how that he defines in 14th verse, in the first chapter, Satu Dirghikala Nirantara Satkara Sevita Dridhubhume. That it becomes Dridhubhume, firmly established. If it is done over a long period of time, relentlessly, with no interruption, the same love, affection, 
respect and veneration and devotion. Just keep these words repeating in your head that this is how our practice should be. And Vairagya, he says, Drishtanu Shravik Vishaya with Trishna Vashikara Sangya Vairagya. There are two types. Vashikara Sangya Vairagya, if we are not craving for anything that is either seen by us or heard by us, and even if we are not even attracted to the gunas of Prakriti, Tat Param Purushakhyate Guna Vaitrishnam, then the Paravairagya takes place, which is the highest of all. Then you have reached to the ultimate layer. There is nothing beyond it. We will go further tomorrow that how you reach to that point and if you reach to that point then what it would be called. So today we end it here, we end it here with the hope that so far the journey is clearly understandable to you all and journey is the journey of going into the ultimate pinnacle of the human consciousness, samadhi, how to reach there, what kind of problems you would encounter on the way, that is what Patanjali is talking about. We have reached up to the 16th verse of the first chapter, Tatparam Purushakyate Gunair Vaitishnam. And we end it here with the Shanti part. Those of you who can chant the Shanti part, please join us in reciting the Shanti Mantra. Om Deo Shanti Rantaharikshagvam Shanti he prithave he Shanti rapaha Shanti roshadhaya Shanti he vanaspataya Shanti rvishwe devaha Shanti rbrahma shanti he Sarvagvam shanti he Shanti reva shanti he Sama shanti redhe Om shanti he shanti he shanti he Sarvarishta शुशांति रभवतु हमारे YouTube चैनल शांति कुंज वीडियो गायत्री परिवार को सब्सक्राइब करें एवं बेल आइकन जरूर दबाएं ताकि गायत्री परिवार की विभिन्न गतिविधियों की जानकारी आपको मिलती रहे